are you? How are you really? And when was the last time you paused long enough to check? Since the pandemic, rather than getting better, things, if anything, seem to be getting harder. And most of us have just jumped back into our old life with less resources to deal with the overwhelming workloads. This week, our guest on You Are Not A Frog is James Spice, a coach and human development expert who thinks that we are all far from okay. And why should we be considering what's happened and what is happening in the world? We discuss why we're all struggling so much and just what we can do to make things better for ourselves. This episode is a really important one for anyone who's been struggling on and perhaps ignoring that still small voice telling them that they're not okay. So listen to this episode if you want to know the unhelpful strategies that we are using currently to cope with not being okay. A very simple tool you can use to work out what's going on. And the rule of three to help you work out when it is in fact okay not to be okay and when it isn't okay not to be okay. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals in high stress, high stakes jobs. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris, a former GP, now working as a coach, trainer and speaker. Like frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, many of us don't notice how bad the stress and exhaustion have become until it's too late. But you are not a frog. Burning out or getting out are not your only options. In this podcast, I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts and inviting you to make a deliberate choice about how you will live and work so that you can beat stress and work happier. Do you work for a training hub, NHS Trust, ICS or another organisation where staff wellbeing is a big priority? If you're looking for a really effective, simple way to give your staff the latest relevant training on wellbeing and resilience in a way that works for them, then check out our Work Well webinars. It's a series of monthly trainings from brilliant experts in the most pressing topics facing healthcare staff in 2024, and it's based on our Shapes Toolkit training. We're now enrolling for our spring season, so if you've got budget to use up in the next few months, download the training brochure and get all the details. And as a bonus, we'll also give all your staff access to our Wellbeing QI Practice Toolkit too. Just go to shapestoolkit.com slash workwell. Hi, I'm James Spice. Uh, I'm a human development consultant, uh, coach and a facilitator. Uh, I've been working with individuals and groups around the area of self-awareness, around the area of uh, effectiveness, um, around the areas of culture inside teams and organizations um, for over 20 years. Great. I was wonderful <laughs> to have you with us, James. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And we had a chat a, a while back now, mm. but there were some things you said that really got my attention, particularly this idea that actually we're not that okay right now that you've noticed yeah. that something happened last year and we're in this weird new normal, but, but most people mm. actually aren't okay. What, what, what do you mean by yeah. that? Well, I think we see it all around us. You know, if we look at the, the, the biggest parts of where the world is at at the moment, massive uncertainty, a lack of leadership, um, people doing things in a way that really, I think, against the very heart values, 
that most of us hold. It's really in contradiction to it. Um, so really, I think I'd almost sort of play back and say, well, how can anyone be okay when the world around us is such a mess, where there's still so much uncertainty? Uh, and then what do we do about it um, is really my area of focus uh, of working with people and, uh, and with groups uh, is, is taking the time to get to the bottom of where are we really at and then what do we do mm. to walk and hopefully create a different future. And that's the reason I got you on the podcast. I think this what do we do about it and what can we mm. do for ourselves that's in our control mm. is such an important question. What have you noticed in, in people's behaviour, especially, that, that is a bit of an indication and a bit of a clue that we're not really that okay? Mm. Well, I think it comes through in, in, in a couple of ways, most obviously. I think the first is, uh, is avoidance. You know, it's like we, we really have stopped, I think, almost allowing ourselves to have an opinion that is different. Um, you know, very difficult isn't it because at the moment it feels like society is sort of saying well this is the way we're going and if you don't like it beware of saying anything or you're going to get cut off at the legs and I think that that's what's causing such dissonance because we've got this so it's like well if I can't say anything but I disagree I have to passively pretend that I'm okay with what's going on and then almost by default I'm then complicit so, so I look around at the world and go, that's totally not what I would like in my heart of hearts. It doesn't represent who I am, but I can't say anything about it. So that, I think, is the, is the first point of, um, uh, of inflection that I really notice, is there's a lot of people that have gone quiet around things that actually are really important to them. Mm. Can you give any examples, any particular... Are you talking about values mm. here, where people yeah. can't speak up? With their with their core values, because whatever they say is, is just going to be taken wrongly, or yeah, yeah. It's like so. Where does where does our truth have space, and where does it not have space? Um, and it, it, you know, we look at some of the social media thing, you know, the, the big topics that are being pushed out. I don't know that everyone is in agreement, but I don't know if they know how to say, "Hold on, I disagree." So then the behavior is then, so then I avoid it. I just pretend like it isn't happening. And so then a lot of big decisions end up getting made and roads being rolled out um, that I disagree with, but I don't say. So it's a dangerous place because then how do I feel a sense of connectedness in a community if I can't have a voice? Mm. So there's that thing about maybe some some people feeling that they can't express their values and, and having to go a, along with stuff. And I think probably in the health service we we are seeing that we're we're having to do some stuff and just go along with stuff. And there's some very difficult decisions to be made there. Um, the other thing you said just now before we started the podcast is we were just chatting about Christmas, and you said that actually most people just after the year we've had actually didn't want to do much over Christmas, didn't really want to be particularly sociable, just wanted some downtime. And that got me thinking, well, you know, the year we just had, most of us were out of lockdown after COVID. And and I think we expected everything to go back to normal. And there's this maybe a feeling of, well, why are we still feeling 
pretty awful. I mean, there is there is the workload, and particularly in healthcare, things have not got better. They have continued to get worse. So, but workload aside, is there something else going on as well? Obviously, with healthcare, you were at the absolute forefront of uh, you know, the pandemic. Uh, but on the other side of this is that the entire world has been through an existential crisis. I think it's hard to look at it as anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, we all shut down. Everything we thought we knew, all of our futures, all of our goals, everything were stopped well, immediately. So how can you come back out of that? and realistically think that we're going to go back to what was. So it's always, you know, it's a very dangerous thing, isn't it, the new normal, without saying or asking yourself the question, what does this new normal look like from the me that is now? Our values have shifted. Our purpose has shifted. You look at the, you know, the great resignation. There's so many sort of terms being coined in you know, pop psychology stuff about what's happening in the world. Um, I see it really as a great disengagement. And my existential crisis means I've asked these massive questions. Who am I? What is important to me? What do I really want out of the world? Yet, as we discussed, we're living in a world and a time that's saying you're not allowed to say what it is that you want, which just compounds it again. So we, we really... If we don't take the time very deliberately to start to unpack what am I trying, who am I trying to be, and how does that come to life in a really authentic way, um, we're running the risk of running into somebody else's normal. And somebody else's normal is performance-based. It's, you know, again, so it's just the pressure. We've got to get back. We need to decrease waiting times. We need to do all of this stuff, which is just more of doing and less of human being. So we're just disconnecting. My fear is, is we're disconnecting more and more. And so, as you said, I saw it everywhere, and I felt it myself. And this is someone who does this work on a regular basis. I got to Christmas, and I was just flat. I just needed time to not think, not be, uh, and certainly not do. Mm. And do you think that... Part of the doing, I guess, is is the demand for the job. And, and other people saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. But I wonder if mm. some of that doing is coming internally as well, because it's actually easier for us to just mm. keep performing and judge ourselves on performance than it is to take the, to t- the time to stop and think, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> what What is it's important? Like it's, it's, it's Exactly. It's such a big question. Uh, I did it with a group this morning. Um, virtually, I, I've been doing it with groups all last year. Just um, I asked three questions at the start of any session with people. The first is, how am I? And you watch people like, just, what? I've forgotten how to ask. I'm afraid to actually pick beneath the surface. The second question is, who am I? Who am I to myself? And that's when we're talking purpose, values, you know, what's really important to me as my own human being, it's my own identity. And then then I go, how do I appear to others? That's the third layer of question. Because I think it's important to distinguish between what is my intention as a, uh, from myself and then what is the impression that I leave with other people. So just those three questions and you just, I, I would swatch groups of people at all different levels of 
businesses, organizations, all different industries and all different cultures all around the world just literally get stuck and chew over those three things. And if surely being a human being, the starting point is how am I? And the second one is who am I? And then then I can go into the world with courage. Then I can, you know, I can go out with compassion and love. I can be authentic. You know, I can know what I want. So we're slightly stuck. And I, I agree with you, Rachel. You hit the nail on the head. It's so much easier to just keep doing to some to, to somebody else's version of what they think is best for me. And we wonder why burnout levels were suicide. All of these because we're disconnecting. So around the world, it's everywhere. It's every society. It's every culture. Mm -hmm. And that's Um, so true. I think also for for doctors who are, and and other people in healthcare, when you say playing to someone else's or working to someone else's version of who you should be, often, yes, it is someone else's version, but it's also this internalized version of who we think we ought to be or who we expected we would be, having gone into this particular profession yeah. and it's interesting that 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 first question I was talking to a chat recently he said he'd, he'd been at a conference with entrepreneurs and startup founders mm. and someone had started with that question you know I just want to ask you guys how are you and then he stopped mm. and he said and I want you to think about that and now I'm going to ask you a second question how are you really and he yeah. said <laughs> half the room burst into tears and it was mainly Is men it- yeah, the evidence is in. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. We're not okay. I we're, know. We are not okay. And and but again, it's then not to get so sort of dramatic about it. I think the first point for all of us is just to own it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with not being okay. Um, it, it's very difficult. I think you know, culturally, most of us who've grown up in environments, and it's a different narrative depending um, often by. You know, gender, so boys are told don't express your emotions and keep them in, or uh, women are probably told that you you can have them, but you're not allowed to necessarily express them in any environment. But to some level, we're almost sort of, we're, we're, we're taught from a very young age that your feelings are something you hold on to. And so it's actually almost quite liberating just for people to say it's all right to not be okay. It's okay to say it. Because anything we try and do on the other side, any actions we take to create this new normal, unless they've come from a place of authentically, I'm not okay, and what do I need to do to be okay? Okay, so then otherwise it's a reaction, isn't it? It's just like it's a reaction without really being honest. And I think that authenticity, if we really want to be authentic, we've got to be open to asking ourselves, how am I, and then how am I really? Mm. And not to judge it too quickly, just be with it. I think it's that being with it that is so, so hard. I think many healthcare professionals know I am certainly someone who gets into action. So as soon as I can answer, how am I? Oh, I'm not okay. <gasps> what have I got to do to make myself okay? And I'm not mm. happy to sit often with that, oh, I'm feeling quite sad. And and that's okay. It's like, mm-hmm. I guess it's like anxiety as well. I, I, I think, or I have observed, and I've heard lots of people saying this, that mm. being anxious is actually okay. Like there's quite a lot oh, of fair enough anxiety. Like yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm anxious about my exams coming up. 
yeah, fair enough. Be anxious about your exam. That's my interaction. (laughs) But what I've noticed, and a lot of my children, for example, are very anxious Mm. if they're anxious. I've got anxiety. I'm really worried. I've got to, what I've got to do is get rid of my anxiety rather than learn to just to sit with my anxiety and cope with it. Now, am I Mm. completely off the mark here or is that something that is is important to be able to do? Uh, You've hit the nail to me completely on the head. So something that I often talk about is the rule of thirds Uh, and that in life, a third of the time, we should be really happy, really engaged, really effective. A third of the time, we should be fine and it's okay. And a third of the time, we should be anxious, uncertain, but lost. Because that's really what being a human being is, is all about. We, we often aim for some form of perfection that is completely unrealistic. Uh, again, I know a lot has written and spoken about social media and, you know, the interpretation of, you know, look at my world, look how happy I am, look how fabulous my life always is. And, and for kids, especially, it's a very, very dangerous game um, because aspiring to something that is always perfect, of course, is uh, is a false god. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because, yes, if, if you ask anyone what they want for their kids or what they want for themselves and their lives. It's like, I want to be happy. Mm. I want my kids to be happy. But you can't yeah. actually have happy unless you have a bit of sadness, unless you have, uh, you know, a bit of anxiety, unless you, you've got, like you said, yeah. that full spectrum of emotions. You can't have love without mm. loss and grief when it goes and, 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 and things like that. So when we're not okay and we try and distract ourselves out of it, Mm. is that just sort of actually feeding into the this vicious cycle which will actually make us more anxious and sad because we're not we're not letting those emotions run through us yeah so so we're not having the so the full human experience Mm. or allowing ourselves to and then the other is what expectation are we setting up I mean you you spoke about uh, the medical professions you know why do people start off what is the expectation of young doctors going into the field, um, you know, nurses, what, what, what are their expectations around what that career really looks like? Now, I can't imagine they are told at a young age, oh, by the way, it will be the most stressful, challenging, you're going to be put under this pressure, that pressure, the other pressure, the expectations of the entire country are going to be on you, we're going to have a pandemic, <laughs> uh, which is going to put you at the cold face of a really, really, that's not how it is pitched. And so the expectation of what is going, you know, what this journey is really going to look like is false from the start. Um, So when we deviate from that, perhaps we feel guilty. So I'm not supposed to feel like this. You know, my grandmother told me there's no higher calling or, you know, Mm. some of the narratives that might be Mm. in and around it. Mm. and I think, you know, so for young people going into the workplace, I don't know that they are well prepared. I mean, if you, if we look at the statistics, there, there are, and even in my client bases, you're finding people in their 20s having nervous breakdowns. Mm. So, so something's going wrong mm. in, this, in this system. And I believe a big part of it uh, is, is about just allowing people to not be okay to sometimes be all right and to sometimes you know, this rule of thirds and sometimes be mm-hmm. ecstatic and great and fully engaged. And that's a much more realistic representation. 
uh, of what life is like, about what workplaces are like. So you're saying it's okay not to be okay. And, and this is very interesting to me because we have this sort of bit of a catchphrase, it's okay not to be okay. But I guess we, we generally okay. use that in my, the communities that I run in, in terms mm. of it's okay to be unwell and it's okay mm. You know, to be maybe depressed or be very stressed or be burned out and mm. get help. So it's giving people mm. permission to get help. But this is a slightly yeah. different. It's okay not to be okay. It's like it's mm. almost normal to have those those difficult and different emotions, and that is okay. And in fact, it's almost needed. But then the question is, I guess, what what do you do with it from there? Is that right? So so what do I do? So first is just to acknowledge I'm not okay, mm-hmm. and then what? How do I deal with it? You know, this is where I think a lot of people, certainly in, in in the work that I do, I like to try and bring a sense of, well, who are you? Mm. And what do you actually need? What motivates you? And so we start getting into some of the, the personality preferences. So if I have more of an introverted personality, okay, then how I would deal with, I'm oh, not okay, what do I need to do? is very different to if I'm an extroverted personality, just by one example of preference um and so if i'm introverted what i would i need to spend a bit of time with myself some walks in the forest take some lists what are the actual feelings do some journaling you know and actually unpack personally for yourself where you're at what does this mean and then some of these questions of who do i want to be what's my vision for myself then you can start to take it out to the world so that would be the kind of process I would recommend for someone who, if, if you know that you are more introverted, that's the kind of functional process I would advise going through. Now, if you're very extroverted or, or more to the extroverted tendencies, what we need to do is to talk about it. Okay, actually admit it. And you know, actually say, when someone says, oh, how are you? Rather than, yes, I'm fine, everything's great. So often a, a, the extroverted's version of actually, no, I'm not okay, and I'm really struggling a little bit. Um, and I'd love to talk to you about it. Okay, again, talking to probably a very similar thing, which is what's going on, what's the actual feeling that I am experiencing at the moment? Um, what does it mean? How would I like to be? And then maybe what's my way? But to, to, to really more do it more of an engaged way. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying that, I was thinking that this is where I think there probably is quite a gender divide. I'm going to be quite siloed and bucketed here, but I I know that I will, when I was with my friends who I meet up with every week after a particular circuit training class, we will go and there'll be probably someone who isn't okay. And they will say, I'm not okay, or they they won't necessarily say that, but they'll say, this is what's going on with us. It's obvious that they're upset about it. They'll talk about it. They'll say how they feel. We'll all talk and by the end, People are feeling a lot a lot better, generally, and that's so therapeutic and it's so helpful. Now, contrast that with my other half who does a circuit training mm. class with his boys and goes to the pub afterwards. And sometimes people do say, I'm not okay and discuss it. And that's starting to happen more and it's brilliant. But by and large, a lot of his friends don't. They'll just, mm. just a lot of banter, a lot of, they have a nice time together. But I can say to him, well, how was so-and-so tonight? Because I know there's this going on. And he'll be like, oh, they didn't even mention it. 
is, is that a, a, a male female thing? I don't know. It's very difficult to say this is male, that's that's female. But I I, I do observe. I think look, that maybe is one of the mu- issues. It is much more so. Mm. Look, it is much more so. But again, this is down to the culture. This is how we're mm. brought up. This is very much a nurture piece, yeah. not a nature piece. Um, so I think our relationship to our uh, emotions, um, again is really how we make decisions. So some people are more feeling, more heart, more gut, more instinctive, um, more about what the impact on me or the collective community will be. And other people are a little bit more logical, a bit more thinking, practical, rational. So again, we've got this this difference by preference Mm -hmm. of personality. Uh, But then what we're talking to now and what we're talking about is very much how we are brought up. a little boy falls over, and what do you do? You tell him to pull up his socks, and big boys don't cry. Off you go. Uh, and in all of my work, I commonly find that men are much just less able to even identify what an emotion they are having is, mm. let alone that they're having it. So we've sort of almost had it, to coin a phrase, beaten out of us. Mm. Um, that we're even allowed to acknowledge what it is. So we've lost a language of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not a, 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 that is absolutely correct. And often I find that with men is they just have, they don't have the language for the emotion. So typically what do they do? They go to fix. Okay. They go to do. Mm. Before they've even identified um, what, it, what it is that needs fixing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But again, I mean, if you look at it in, in most... Um, uh, relationships between men and women uh, a woman will say oh I've got this problem just wanting to discuss it and a man will say great I can do this I can do this you can do that you can do the other and then let's play that one out yeah the old men are from Mars women are from Venus thing right yeah we've all read the book we've all read the book we've we've read the book we live and we live the uh, you know we live those yeah, and I think also I, I have observed. I think there are some, there are lots of women, maybe particularly female doctors, that that then take that approach as well because that's how we've been trained. We've been trained to fix people's problems. So when we're feeling yeah. a bit iffy, we just try fix it. We don't, we maybe don't go right down thinking actually how am I? Yeah. What emotions is it that I'm experiencing? I mean, how do you teach people to recognise what those emotions are? The biggest thing at this point is time. Right. Time. It's time to be. And so I'm not surprised in the medical profession because mm. you, 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 you have to go to fix. The metrics of how your performance is managed, you know, and again, this knocking on the back of the head, waiting time, waiting time, waiting time, mm. you've just got to get through it. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that that is a, a challenge for a lot of young doctors uh, and nurses. Is that actually, I see a human being in need. And what I'd like to do is to spend the time with them to help them fully um and not being able to i'm sure that's a source of big frustration um so it is very much the time to be with it yeah i get it you're pushed for time and with over 200 episodes how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops 
top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. constantly everything comes back to time you know in all the resilience training we do everything about well-being it's time isn't it because you can't look after yourself unless you have the time to do it you can't have conversations unless you have the time and this time to set aside just to think how am I what experience what emotions am I experiencing now just well I was about to say just doesn't exist but I'm going to contradict myself because actually it it does exist but we are using that time for other things maybe social media distracting ourselves watching telly doing other stuff right exactly so so i I think again it's down to this thing of the acknowledging that i'm not okay Mm -hmm. and one of the key criteria to finding okay again is to take the time with myself Mm. to actually pose the question, how am I? You know, the most powerful developmental tool is this. James is holding up a pen for everyone who's listening. <laughs> yeah. And it's got four colours. It's the okay. old four-colour oh, one. So four-colour biro. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, just take the time, blank piece of paper or a journal, just mm. write it out. Uh, I call it brain vomiting. You know, just blah, just purge. Because how you are you fully know you've just blocked off. So open it up and just let it flow. Get to the bottom of it. And even just that process can be hugely cathartic. Um, I mean, the studies show one of the most powerful psychological interventions in individuals and teams is to write about your values for 10 minutes. It's got the longest lasting impact and the most powerful impact on people's sense of well-being. When was the last time you wrote about your values? Do you even know what they mm. are? Mm. Um, it's not to you because I, I know you would work in, in this, <laughs> but uh, to, to your listeners, yeah. you know, can we all agree that values are crucial in how we show up as a human being? I think most of us would say yes to that. But then I go, so what are they? Mm. People kind of go, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. I mean, I must say medicine, most of us haven't done any work around our values. I mean, I have, because mm. recently we've been doing, looking at, you know, the podcast and our training and what are our values. Mm. And that's been really, really helpful. But I think people find it hard even to know, well, what is a value? What is a value? I guess for me, the, the easiest way to know a value is when it's been, when it's been knocked. Like, if, yeah, good. When you get angry, right? It's because yeah. there's some value yeah. of yours that you've had like someone's not been honest with you or mm. someone's done something mm. that doesn't seem fair or, or, or something like that, or someone's yeah. not been compassionate or kind to somebody. Mm. They're, they're, they're the triggers. That's often how we notice what our values are yeah. when they're under threat. Mm. So they're being under threat and it will bring uh, often out of character response to mm. it. Um, uh, and I think maybe, the, you know, we've got to be careful of the, the bumper stickers you know, it's like, oh, well, integrity, honesty, da, 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 and sort of outcome the four or five things that we aspire to. And often I'll say to people, so, well, if that's your starting point, how does that manifest in your life? Because values to me are things that are actually actions. Okay, there's actually something that is going to be coming to life. There'll be some kind of impression left when I am in that place of value. Mm-hmm. It's not a static thing. And I think it has a very personal interpretation. 
Um, you know, we look at organizations with their five value sets above yeah. the door and <laughs> yeah. uh, um, they are not necessarily always obvious in the behavior of people because you know, that's what values drive our behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting here looking out over Adam Brooks Hospital and I know that their values are to be kind, to be safe and to be excellent, um, which Ooh. is a brilliant aspiration. The problem Sounds is... wonderful. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But at the moment, you've got ambulances queuing out the door because of the because of all all the backlogs um, through all sorts of reasons, and so there are people working where they can't provide the excellent care they want to, and they can't be as kind as they'd want to, and that that's really really difficult. But you know, I I digress. I mean, I think one of the thing the bugbears I have is when companies say yes, our values integrity and honesty it's like no 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 those that's just being a decent human being (laughs) that should be like that should go and be taken for granted so what else what else have you got that isn't just actually someone that I would ever do business with right yeah 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 and and, you know being a good human being that's a great place to unpack Mm. what's that look like right yeah yeah what's my version of being a good human Mm. being look like because mm. um, uh, then we actually start to get into a little bit of meatiness and we get away from the sort of bumper sticker words and we go to what really matters. Because mm. the other thing is I think um, one of the uh, personal development tools that I use measures uh, behavioral preferences. Uh, I spoke a bit to it earlier with introvert, extrovert, mm-hmm. thinking and feeling, decision-making. And last year, for the first time, I've been using the tool for about 12 years now, and people are so consistent when they get remeasured. They stay in the same preference space over and over and over and over again. Last year, 79% of remeasures, i.e. people doing it for a second time or more, had moved position completely. No. So I don't believe people really understand. So it's easy to say, yes, we've been in an existential crisis. Now what do we do? Rather than we've been through an existential crisis, what is the impact on me? Mm. What is the impact on you? And then how do we build a normal that is healthy and relevant Mm. to where we're actually at at the moment? So you're saying that we've all actually completely changed as people through this last few years? I, I, I think that it would be very difficult to find many people that have stayed the same way they were mm. prior to everything that we've been through to the present. It would be right. very, very, it would be more extraordinary than the norm. Yeah. And that is a huge mm. shift to what was happening prior to it. People typically weren't changing. That's interesting because I wonder whether one of the issues then is what we're doing is judging our behaviour on our old values and who we used to be and what used to be going on. Is it Myers-Briggs you're yeah. talking about there? Uh, no, I, I use insights. Insight, I, use, okay. I use insights discovery. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. But again, all of them, all of those tools come from the Jungian preferences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fascinating for me because, and, and here we've got a dilemma, right, because I... Mm. One of my theories that I'm just sort of working up this year is that a lot of the stress that's happening for doctors in particular is due to their own innate perfectionism and people pleasing because 
they can no longer practice in that perfect way that they would expect because of all the demands on them. And when they can't, when they can't be excellent and when they can't help people all the time in the way that they want to, that bangs against their values. That causes a lot of shame because you're not living up to your own values and consequently causes even more stress so here we've got this dilemma if that we really know who we are who am i (laughs) and those are our values but we can't practice in a way that meets our values it causes even more of a problem so does that mean we need to change our values what what do we do with that then oh you know it's uh when our values are unmet right what happens does the system change to meet our new value set or do we need to change something in order to bring our value set to life okay or to meet the needs of my values yeah so perhaps the values stay the same but our needs in relation to those values need to change because say say if your values are um to always be able to help people and I, I know some people if you're looking at the Enneagram type thing that number twos are really yeah. driven by by helping aren't they um yeah but what happens when you're in a system where literally you cannot help in the way that you want mm. to and, and if you do you will yeah. burn out almost instantly your needs yeah. relating to that helping have to then change don't they mm. you can still keep the helping value exactly so it's, it's more about the expectation of myself right so, so, so what am I expecting of myself within a system that is where it is? The system it, it inherently doesn't change. So this question, how am I, mm. to actually mm-hmm. take the time to sit with it and probably writing it down is one of the best ways you can think of. You know, actually, how, yeah. how am I really? Uh, sometimes mm. I found with some of my coaching clients, you know, even just keeping a mood diary or whatever, and what I'm doing and how I'm feeling can be quite revealing yeah. when you find there's lots and lots of, you know, miserable faces down there and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. draw a picture and see yeah. what comes out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, play yeah. a musical instrument. Yeah, yeah. Often it's expressed through music, can be expressed through body as well. Do I run in order to just run myself, you know, to break my body because I'm trying to sate some unfathomable need or am I running for the joy of running? Mm. So, again, mm. maybe I think there's some other areas outside of just writing that it will come up. Yeah, am I hitting the wine the minute I get home from work just to cope with the day? Ah, yeah, Binge, Binging absolutely. on Netflix, eating too much. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, okay. Am I, sh- am I shouting at my kids more than mm. telling them that I love them? And I think this, this comes back, I used a word earlier about my intention. So it's like, what am I really trying to be? On a daily basis, who am I really trying to be? What's my starting point? What's really in my heart? Um, because you know, I've worked with hundreds of thousands of people all over the world for many, many, many years, and I've yet to meet the person that said to me, "James, I go out of my way every day just to piss that one person off." <laughs> yeah. I haven't found them yet. Yeah, oh, I think I know us. a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you do. <laughs> we all do. We know many of them. But that, so that's the impression that's being given. Yes. But that is very. That is not the starting point of anybody. No, no. That I have met. Um. So there's a, so there's a disparity. Mm. So how, so if I've if I've got a good idea about my, my how am I my values what's really important to me I can start to set intention and live with it. And when I'm outside of it, I can clean it up. I can go, oh, Rachel. Sorry, yesterday I said to you, oh. Mm. what I really meant was this. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and and so yeah, so it's this being able to start to build the practice of someone who lives with intention. And when I've got that, I start to create this elusive quote unquote new normal. Mm. Is that actually I am at the heart and I'm in control of the experience I have as a human being. Yeah. And I love that because we talk a lot about setting boundaries and saying no and stuff like that. And, mm. and one of the ways that we teach is for people just to know what they're choosing, the actions that they're choosing, mm. the behavior that they're choosing, so that, Brilliant. because, so that. Mm. Because yeah. we don't like letting people down. We don't like limiting the mm. amount of help we can give. We don't like taking time off when we know everyone else is really knackered, but we know we have to for our family. And yeah. I love the fact that you're saying what we do is we work out our values first and what our needs are in relation to those values. And then we're working out how we're going to choose to behave. And I think this is what a lot of us get so wrong. because We don't, we don't get that this is how I'm going to choose to behave bit, which yeah. is fine when it's I'm going to, so I'm going to choose to be happy and nice to everyone all the time. That's well, I would say that's easy. It's not not that easy. It, it's how am I going to choose to behave in ways that are difficult to behave like that, but I know that serve my intention, Good. isn't it, right? Yeah, yeah. So because we've got, you know, we need to have the courage to be our true selves, yet live in community to have the love and respect and compassion for the others. It's very mm-hmm. much a duality. If we go all love, we make it all about other people. Often we'll descend into fear, you know, some yeah. kind of, you know, hiding our truth. Mm-hmm. And if we make it all about ourselves and look, this is what I need, this is what I need, it can often fall into ego and arrogance. Mm. Mm. So it's very much having the courage to know who I am and take a stand for it and what I need. But in relation to what the world around me needs, the people around me and what do they need. Yeah. Now, a few minutes ago, we were talking about how people have, changed or the fact that you've noticed that a lot of people have changed Mm. how do you think people have changed what has what have you been noticing are there any themes that have shifted for people yeah well I think for a lot of people the being shoved being told not to leave home Mm. so this there was a massive I think change of priority around what does my world at home look like yeah I, I think about certainly for a lot of fathers in relation to their children mm-hmm. you know dad was typically off away saw them on the weekend and was probably tired and pressured under there and maybe not I found a lot of men are really deeply connected mm-hmm. with being a father and mm-hmm. uh, have uh, that's resonated very strongly for them um, so it's a, an interesting one around the hybrid thing. It's like, you know, I, I don't want to give up. Actually, being able to drop my kids off at school, pick them up at school, which wasn't something that I was used to before. So I think that, I think the elements of family and that mm-hmm. relationship uh, piece for men is very, very strong. Um, I think some of the other changes are um, what is important to me. I mean, we... I think we've broken a lot of the illusions of before. So we were living often a lot of lives, having careers that mm-hmm. were sort of based upon illusions of past. And then again, so it's back down to actually acknowledging it. So mm-hmm. what does being a do- doctor look like from here forward for me? Mm-hmm. Understanding 
the realities of where the profession is at. Mm. What does that look forward to? Yeah, I think maybe what I'm talking about is what I hope people are going to be doing with this, mm. which is to take us a chance to reframe and to re-own what their future looks like forward in their careers and their relationships. Mm. Um, and that perhaps that penny hasn't consistently or on a big enough scale really dropped. It's interesting. I think what has dropped is that people's values have changed and what's important to them has mm. changed because when everything's stripped mm. back and you're in lockdown, then it really doesn't matter what sort of car is sitting on your driveway, does it? It really, really doesn't. No. It doesn't matter no. if you're wearing the most amazing new shoes because no one's going to see them. It is all about relationships and and health and mm. who you love and, and purpose. So people's values have shifted. Mm. What I don't think has shifted is their... Mm behavior they know that the values have shifted but they're being asked to behave Mm. in exactly the same way like you said so what yeah so the community ask you know so it's like so we had community ripped away Mm. and which had all sorts of implications for, for for many of us in various different ways um and then so then the system itself the ask isn't being changed so Mm. our businesses really engaging with people to say, how do we create a way of work that suits us now, Mm. suits Mm. you and us now? It's very much, I think, I feel like the way forward is very much more in partnership. Again, it's back to how do we take the time to have these conversations? Mm. And businesses are really struggling. You know, obviously healthcare, a lot of it is is back to frontline Work, Mm. but but still, I think meetings and things. You know, consultant teams that have never met face to face since the pandemic. It's just easier to get together Mm. online. And and other businesses are really struggling with the virtual hybrid working because we know that teams work better when they're face to face in those team interactions. But how do you mandate that for people? And it's Mm. it's a real struggle. So, what should people do? How do people work out how to change their behaviour so it suits? their values more without causing massive problems to other people or the system in which they work yeah so again i think it, it, to me it's about how, how do i exist in community is probably the real conversation so um i think one of the things that shifted is with lockdown and that period of time is that i my needs became more prevalent than the system that I exist within. Um, and so if my needs have changed, how do I then bring them back into community? As I said before, I think it's very much a co-creation. So we need to have a conversation of what has shifted and what does that mean for how we are working together? Because we still have business objectives. We still have strategies. We still have, you know, from the NHS side, obviously we've got key deliverables. So how do we meet that but in a way that, doesn't break us mm. as individuals. It doesn't disconnect us. Mm. So, I mean, James, I'm just looking at the time. We're nearly out of time, but have you got any tips as to how people can start to do some of this? Mm. What practical things can people do if they've sort of managed to give themselves a few minutes to, to ask themselves, how am I? And are thinking, actually, no, I'm not that okay at the moment. What, mm. what can people mm. do next? Well, I spoke earlier to the power of the pen. Mm. Um, it really is such a powerful thing to 
to, to write out where am I actually at? Just take note because it just gives it voice. Um, and, and once it's out, it can flow. So just start to take track of where am I at? Um, I like people to remember the rule of thirds. So again, if we're journaling, if we're just doing that reflection of a sitting in the car, where was I today? Because if there's an imbalance in that, if I'm spending all of my time either all ecstatic, ecstatic, or all not great, not great, or all fine, 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 where do we make space for the others? Um, so I think to be quite aware of the differing needs. Uh, and then I think the last thing is to, if I'm able to start articulating where I'm really at, who do I communicate that with? Who's a, you know, what are the communities whereby my sense of well-being is really important? So is it in my family unit? Is it in my professional environment? Um, is it in my recreation or my social environments? Um, and how do I start to bring a more authentic understanding of myself to those those environments so I can be supported because we're human beings we exist in community and in relationship with each other mm -hmm. and that's where I think maybe people are having issues that uh, they don't have that supportive environment um and I always try and encourage people to find it because yeah. if your team at work is, is awful and one of the causes of most of your stress, then find another community support group, a couple of peers, go for coffee, create your own where Good. you can have yeah. that community. And, and I don't Absolutely. think we're proactive enough about doing that. And GPs yeah. are constantly sort of saying I don't have anybody to talk to my practice team's not any mm. good but there's loads of GPs in the area why don't you find a few friendly GPs and meet up or get online find a group there's so much stuff out there but again I know I know it's time I know it's time but it's time always time but, but again the, the thing about time is if we don't take the time what is the consequence mm. so we fast forward all of this and we don't take this time to build healthy communities um to do the the, the proper self-reflection of where am i at really don't support the don't get the support when we need it the impact is we are going to further disconnect we're going to find less of a voice because the, the the system is has taken what it's taken, okay? So how do we start to regain our footing? It's, it's out of balance. So mm. if we don't do something about it, fear ongoingly for the health and well-being of people. Yeah. And I think one thing people are aware of is their own health and well-being. And the one good, good thing that's come out of the pandemic is that it, it has gone to the forefront of people's minds that actually the well-being of the workforce is really 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 important yeah. what people struggle with is what on earth to do about it and it is something that only that person can do themselves and it's in the choices that you make so it's prioritizing that time to do that self-reflection um, and find a therapist find a group of friends find a coach join a coaching program there's lots of stuff out there that people don't mm. often know where to go to do it and there's loads of podcasts i mean gosh there's yeah. so much stuff isn't there there's Out, so much there. information i mean on linkedin mm. it just this reams and reams and mm. every every social media out there site so how do we start using social media for the benefits mm. that it can bring us mm. um rather than watching cat videos um, <laughs> well i quite like cat videos 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm more of a dog person, but you know, no judgments. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, starting to get just more deliberate and taking ourselves more seriously because we matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I think that's the message that doctors really need to know. You know, you matter as a person. You are not just the human doing; it's the human being. Because if you just keep with the doing, that will burn out unless the being comes yeah. first, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we need you, doctors. Yeah, we need you so badly. You know, it's uh, we support you. You know, that's a, that that's the message from those of us outside of the system um, is deep appreciation. But please take the time to be. And I, I personally want my doctor to be happy, content, thriving, yeah. knowing what they're about, um, yeah. having done some self-reflection. Um, they're going to be a much better doctor than if they are one crisis away from not coping, completely miserable yeah. and not taking any time for self-reflection or, or, or to do yeah. any of the work. It is, And it is work, actually, isn't it? It's not straightforward and simple. It's work. It's if it was, it was straightforward and simple, it would all be well-adjusted and fulfilled. I think it does, it, I, people don't take it. It always amazes me how many people have got gym memberships that they don't use for their body. But if whenever I've tried to do open courses or take them for just a little bit of money, people won't invest in themselves. Mm, uh, yeah. And I go, what's, well, you know, we understand the, the, the mind, body, spirit relationship better than ever. Um, so let's invest equally mm. in those three. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, James. So if I was to ask you for three top tips, what would they be? Get a pen, start being authentic and write down how do I feel and what is important mm-hmm. to me. It's the starting point. Two, find a community, a healthy community, whereby you can actually start sharing a little bit of where you're at, hearing ideas, um, supporting each other, a healthy community. And three, remember, you are whole, complete and perfect. Okay, you deserve it. So do it for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, James, if people wanted to find out more about you and your work, where could they contact you? Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn under James Spice. Uh, so feel free to reach out. I have a website, uh, www.jamesspice.com. Probably LinkedIn is the best way to do it. Uh, drop me an email. I'm always available to have a conversation. Uh, I'm deeply passionate about humans being the best beings they can be. Um, so please reach out if there's any questions you've got. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And we'd love to have you back at some time to explore this a bit more. Will you, will you come back? Uh, Rachel, you call. I will be there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wonderful to see you. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, we provide a self-coaching CPD workbook for every episode. You can sign up for it via the link in the show notes. And if this episode was helpful, then please share it with a friend. Get in touch with any comments or suggestions at hello at youarenotafrog.com. I love to hear from you. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it and leave a review wherever you're listening. It really helps. Bye for now.